Thank you, Judy. We have a series this morning that we're continuing on in called Handling Life's Problems. As one guy said, uh, you got problems, I got problems, all God's children got problems. And we do. Uh, one phrase I found myself the last couple of years sharing over and over again is we're just a mess. Because we are. John 16.33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. <laughs> but take heart. I have overcome the world. This morning, uh, we're going to look at the problem of inferiority. That little voice that says, you don't measure up. Those messages taped inside of your head that are defeatist. That make you miss God and just feel like a failure. Um, and I thought I would focus in Exodus 3 and 4 this morning uh, because there is an example of a, a church leader known as the humblest man, the meekest man in the earth. His name's Moses. He's a guy who struggled through some inferiority. And we're going to look at that, and I'm going to ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Genesis, Exodus, real early there in the Bible. and We're going to look at several verses. I want to read Exodus 3, 11 through 15. Then we're going to jump over to chapter 4, read verse 1 and 11 through 13 of chapter 4. So I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor when you find that section of Scripture. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. And down to chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Drop down to verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth, who makes him deaf or mute, who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Let's pray. Father, I'm not preaching to I'm part of a congregation, Lord. Pray that uh, as we look at your word, that you will remind us, Lord, that you still love us, that you're still in charge. 
that your sacrifice is more than enough, Lord. It's not about how we feel. It's about what you've done. And I just pray that you might speak to our hearts this morning as we look at these areas of inferiority Moses faced that are not foreign to us and speak to us. Father, I pray that you would be free to touch our lives, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you. God, I, at times I'm not much, but I'm yours, and I just ask that would be clear today. And uh, Lord, open our ears, open our hearts, Lord. Um, Father, may we hear what I might not even think I said, because I, I just want you to speak. Lord, uh, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. From an early age, we start thinking about things about ourselves that don't measure up. I learned early on I was a redhead when I was little. Looked just like Opie Taylor, but uh, man, I remember being called Carrot Top, thinking this doesn't measure up. Other people have ears that stick out. You know, it reminded me, remember uh, the seven dwarfs, Snow White and the seven dwarfs, and you had Dopey, and those poor ears just kind of flopped out there. Some people struggle with that. Other people struggle with a big nose they don't like. Matter of fact, in my family, my grandmother, her maiden name was Fazel. And uh, the Fazel noses are, well, you know, I'm worried about the Fazel nose coming out there. Noses can be an issue for some. Other people, maybe it's a speech impediment. Maybe they feel like they're too shy. Maybe they feel like they're too outgoing. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh, I was talking to a lady this week who's a social worker, and she's one of these people that's just out there. You don't have to wonder where she is because she tells you within the first minute or two, you know. And I call those kind of people a lot of times, I call them kind of fleshy, and I mean that in a good way, because, you know, they're kind of charge, but you know where they're charging. You know, if, if they're going to charge, you're not going to wonder where, where it's coming. Cause you, that's just, and, and this lady, it was so funny, she told me, she said, you know, my husband and my daughter, they don't like me to go to the football games. Because I'll just start yelling. And she said, they'll be like, my daughter will be like, Mom, stop. You really don't know football. And my dad's like, honey, shh. She said, I can't help it. I'm just a redneck. That's what she told me. Um, about everybody here knows that, I, I, you, know, my, you know, we have our hobbies we like to do. One of the things I like to do is I, um, I like to exercise about an hour a day. And I've noticed, though, in the last couple of years, there was an exercise I never did that I have started doing part of my routine. It's with my neck. You see, the problem is, in Dad's later years, he had three chins. And I'm afraid it's coming. <laughs> so I've started the past couple of years doing these neck exercises, trying to keep the chinny-chin-chin from coming, you know? Whatever it is, we all have something and we say it doesn't measure up. People don't like it. People won't accept me. People, people, people aren't going to like it. 
<laughs> well, as we look at Moses, we see an example of a guy who we can look at, who, who knew this struggle. Um, starting here at verse 11 in chapter 3, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, what's he saying here? He's saying, God, I've got too many regrets. I'm not the man for this job because of my past history. How many of us think that God has written us off because of what we've done in the past? But because of some crime we've committed, some sin that's just... You know, just intolerable. And, and, and God just says, no way, man. I couldn't use anyone like you. You're dirty. You're grimy. <laughs> I love a Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, that's what it talks about there. And you look at Moses. Remember, uh, he was from a poor family, a slave family, Hebrew family. And they, there was a, a command that went out that all the firstborn Hebrew sons were to be murdered. And so you remember the story, don't you? His mom put him in a basket and set him down the Nile River and the princess of Egypt found him, lifted him out of the water and he was raised in the palace. He went from a nobody to a somebody. And then while he was in the palace for 40 years, he was trained to be a prince. He received all the privileges. He gained all the posh. And he got the position. But he never forgot where he came from. Inside of him, he, he knew he was a Hebrew. Um, turn me Exodus chapter 2. Just read a couple of verses real quick. Um, verse 11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. See, he knew who his own people were. <laughs> he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. He went from a nobody who thought he was a somebody, and then he was a somebody who thought he was a nobody because he thought he got caught as a murderer. He hightailed it. He ran to the backside of the desert. He stayed there for 40 years in an uh, inconspicuous, you know, not a lot of attention job as a shepherd. He's in the background, from the palace to the background. <laughs> and so he went from a nobody who thought he was a somebody to a somebody who thought he was a nobody. And then God finally got him a position here in chapter 3 where then his view was, uh, I'm a nobody that knows I'm a nobody. And that's where he is as we look at this section. He says, God, why in the world would you choose me? I'm the guy who ran away from the palace. I'm the guy who left the position and the place of leadership where I should be in order to impact people, in order to have influence for you. God, I blew it. God, why would you trust me, God? Maybe you're there. Maybe there's something in your life, something that you're holding on to and, and you can't let go of it. And you say, man, I, I'm just a mess up. I'm just a screw up. And, and, and God couldn't use me. It's that voice of inferiority. I want to share with you a quote. This is uh, from Helen Malakut. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly my Lord was speaking. My name is I Am. He paused, 
I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I was. <laughs> when you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard. I'm not there. My name is not I will be. When you live in the moment, it's not hard. I am here. My name is I am. Guys, we worry about where we've been. We worry about where we're going. God's with you now. That's what he was trying to say to Moses. It's about relationship. It's about a real relationship with him. A vibrant relationship with him. I thought of John 17 verse 3. It says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's the point God was trying to get across to Moses. Real life, lasting life, is about knowing me. Not about dwelling merely in your situation, but in knowing the Savior. That's, that's God's heart. That's what He shares here. Second excuse here, I don't know what to say. Uh, look here at verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's His name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. <laughs> he said, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. In other words, he says to him, Moses, you're the spokesman. Just tell them what I'm doing in your life, that I sent you and that I've got a plan and I haven't left them alone, but I'm here and I'm ready to deliver. Don't worry about getting the words just right. Sometimes we worry ourselves sick about, oh, how do I say that? What's the exact wording? Man, what's more important is not our words right, but our heart right. God, fill me with your spirit. God, direct me. It's not even what I say, but what they hear. That <laughs> they hear what's right. And it's so crucial. Um, next one here. Uh, what if they do not believe me? Chapter 4, verse 1, he says... What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord not appear to you? The fear of rejection. Big motivator. Proverbs 19.22 says, What a man desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. There's nobody out there that says, I want you guys not to like me. What a bunch of... i got a Greek word for that. It's a bunch of baloney. We all want to be loved. We all want to be liked. We all want people to say, he's a good guy, she's a great gal. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be pushed aside. We don't want to do anything that makes us look like we're not, you know, part of it. We want to belong. We want to, we, we, we want to be together. There was a guy named Sparky. And in eighth grade, he just about failed every subject. Hated school. Uh, wasn't good at sports. Matter of fact, he couldn't figure out what he was good at. He just wanted to get out of school. Got into high school. Got a perfect score of zero in physics. <laughs> Hated physics. Managed to fail English, math. He did find one thing he was decent at. That was golf. Unfortunately, the match that mattered, he lost. And then he lost the consolation match. But the one thing... Sparky really liked was drawing. 
He never had a date because he never asked out a girl because he didn't have any confidence to ask out a girl. So, you know, he, he didn't have that. He didn't have anything. But he, he started drawing. He got out of high school and he sent some artwork to Walt Disney. And they said, well, send in some of your drawings. So he sent in some more drawings. They rejected him. <laughs> Loser again. Poor Sparky. So finally he decided, I'm just going to put my life story into comics. Into a cartoon. So now you, know, now you understand the guy who could never kick a football because Lucy would yank it away. <laughs> the guy whose kite would never fly. Charlie Brown. Poor Charlie Brown. Sparky. Charles Schultz. What happened? He said, I'm just good at nothing. There's that type of feeling, that type of struggle. And, and God says, the way to overcome that, Moses, is relationship with me. As you go down through the Scripture here, uh, God says, hey, I'll show you, I'm with you. You know, throw the staff on the ground, pick it up, it's a snake. Uh-oh, you know, put it back down. Uh, your, your hand turns leprous, put it back in, it's not leprous. What's he saying? God says, hey, I'm with you. You can trust me, lean on me. And guys, that's what it's about. Will they reject me? God will be with you. I'm not saying that it's going to be a cupcake, going to be a, a ride with no bumps in it, but God's going to be with you. And that's what he was trying to share. And, and, and that's what the thing is with us. We need to be in a relationship with God and understand that our sense of, of uh, self-worth, our sense of acceptance is not based merely on how others see us, but on how God loves us. There's a great verse... Um, that says, accept one another then, just as in Christ Jesus, God has accepted you. What a thought, isn't it? It's what the cross is about. God sees you warts and all and accepts you. God sees you and He accepts you. All right, uh, next one here. An accurate view of His own gifts. Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant, I'm slow of speech and tongue. It's interesting. You know, I looked in some commentaries and they said, well, maybe he had a stuttering problem. You know, maybe he just really didn't speak clearly. He was self-conscious of it. Except for Acts 7.22. Turn me to Acts Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. He got the training and he was powerful in speech and action. So what is going on here? I, I believe Moses had an inaccurate view of himself. That happens today, doesn't it? There are some beautiful girls who for some reason, think they're not beautiful. When they look in the mirror, they don't see what I see, what you see. There are some guys that think, I'm just a failure. My life hasn't amounted to anything. But they've been faithful. They get up every morning. They go to work. They're, they're faithful to the people they love. They're not failures. But they see something the rest of us don't see. 
And, and that happens, guys. And that happened to Moses. And God says, don't let that happen to you. Don't listen to the wrong messages. Don't hear something that's not true. It's important to hear correctly. <laughs> that's one reason it's important to get our sense of self-worth from God and what He tells us in His Word, in His Scriptures, and, and, and how, how critical that is. I want to read to you a quote from a, a guy named Luckock. What would it be like to see life as Jesus saw it? Suppose almost a lifetime of low vision and dull perception. Uh, through it, we were given the gift of vision. Wouldn't it be something like what happens when a person who's nearly blind has sight restored? This has happened to people with only 10% vision or less through low vision rehabilitation clinics. He continues, One day a 35-year-old insurance salesman came to the vision rehabilitation clinic in Providence, Rhode Island. He had only 1% vision since age 10. He'd gone through life in a gray shadow. When a pair of magnifier glasses was slipped into place, his jaw dropped in amazement. <laughs> then he exploded. Praise God, look at what I can see. After all these years, it's a miracle. The greatest thing that ever happened. Minutes later, he phoned his wife and said, Honey, I'm coming home to see what you really look like. <laughs> what do you really look like? Let's look at some scriptures quickly. Uh, First, uh, turn me to Psalm 139. God knows you. God made you. Um, I just want to share. I'm just going to read through quickly the first 16 verses that so beautifully express this fact. Just follow along with me. It's a great reminder of the fact God made us. He knows us. Oh, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word's on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. In other words, God's there. He's there. Uh, second part that he made us, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them were I count them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. And man, I love that picture. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God doesn't make junk. He, he, he crafted you. He handcrafted you. He, he knows you, man. He knows your design. That's God's workmanship. That's what He's up to. Secondly, He cares for you. Turn me to Matthew 10, 29-31. We always need to be reminded God cares. Sometimes we feel like nobody cares. God always cares for us. It's good to be reminded. 
Verse 29, he says, uh, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father? Will not fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And he says, uh, Don't be afraid, you're worth more than many sparrows. Hey, these sparrows, they matter to God. Don't be afraid, you matter to him more. <laughs> and then verse 29, he says, They're not... Um, or verse 30, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Wow. Think about that. God knows how many hairs are on your head. If you're like me, you know, I run a brush through my head, hairs come out. So it's a big job. Now, it's a harder job for some than others, right? Uh, for some, God, well, hey, I won't get into that. Can't help that. I may be there one day, right? So, but the whole point is simply the fact God knows the details of your life. You can entrust Him with the details of your life. Next, uh, he'll continue to work in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's at work in you and me. We're under construction. We're not a finished product. God's working. Made me think of that little children's song. You know, God's still working in me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter and Mars. <laughs> How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. There really ought to be a sign up on the heart. Don't judge her yet. There's an unfinished part. But I'll be perfect just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hand. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter, and Mars. How loving, patient he must be. He's still working on me. In the mirror of his word, reflections I see make me wonder why he never gave up on me. He loves me as I am. Helps me when I pray. Remember, he's the potter. I'm the clay. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars, sun and earth, Jupiter, and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Now, one last point here. We need to see ourselves clearly as God sees us. We don't need to over-exaggerate who we are. We don't need to under-exaggerate who we are. We need to see ourselves clearly. And uh, turn me to Romans 12.3. This is my last point and a close, closing word. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Hey, it comes from His grace. We're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but how with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith He gives you. I remember Steve Brown. Uh, uh, Steve has a radio show for years. He used to be a pastor of Presbyterian Church. And they had this big church uh, event. And Steve was worried sick it would flop. And he prayed and he worked and he prepared. And finally he called a friend of his and told how worried he was. <laughs> and his friend finally said, Steve Brown, would you stop worrying? 
He said, God is faithful. He doesn't fail people. And if he's going to start, he's not going to start with a peon like you. <laughs> you pick Billy Graham or somebody bigger. Steve said, you know, I just kind of laughed and thought, wait a minute. I am getting way too worried about this. I need to, I need to trust God. I need to rest in God. There needs to be that sober judgment. You need to see clearly. You need to see accurately. Um, quote from A.W. Tozer. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion, strong as Samson, but he stopped being fooled about himself. He's accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but paradoxically, he knows at the same time he's in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. I love that. That's good. Um, I, we need to think clearly about ourselves. I want to close with an example. Uh, I'm just read something from a lady named Colleen Thompson. And uh, as I close, Colleen writes, No one expected him to succeed. He was made fun of in school because of a horrible stuttering problem. His older brother and sister were brilliant. Most often, he felt like a shadow child rather than a sibling. Some of y'all may have felt that way. I'm just a shadow. <laughs> Though extremely talented, the young shadow boy struggled to speak even one sentence clearly, causing him to question the value or purpose of his life. Early into his freshman year of high school, the school's drama teacher, Mr. Richard Nemi, asked him to meet after school. He was sure Mr. Nemi needed help building a set or copying scripts. To his surprise, Mr. Nemi didn't see the young man as a stuttering shadow, but a gifted orator. In the meeting, Mr. Nemi told the young student that if he was willing to meet through the school years and summers, the student would have the lead part in the senior play. <laughs> wow. The curtains opened three and a half years later, and there stood my father, Chuck Swindoll, who earned the play's leading part. Yep, Chuck Swindoll, who once believed he was only a stuttering shadow boy, is used by God to speak truth and hope to people all over the world. Today, perhaps you're believing your life has little value. <laughs> you're an unnoticeable shadow, or disabled and lonely, or raising a child this world finds odd or weird. I'm here to remind you that is not the truth. God can use even the most challenging circumstances for good. My own son's disabilities have given me the gift of refinement, authenticity, humility, and grace. From him, I have gifts to offer you. Encouragement, hope, reminders of truth, reflections of mercy, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you choose to accept God's son who came to this world as a gift to you? Let's thank our Heavenly Father that none of us is alone. People everywhere are struggling with disabilities, and God is cultivating in each person magnificent gifts we can share with one another in this world. Colleen Swindoll Thompson. What about you? Any of this struck a chord? We have a master musician who wants to make sweet music on your little fiddle encourage you. There's an altar to pray at. I'm here um, to encourage you. Uh, 
You are needed. I need you. God's people need you. You say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what a mess I am. Get on the bus. Praise be to God that His grace is more than sufficient. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are, God, missing all. We come before you. What are you up to, Lord? Speak, Father. My hope is you already have, but continue speaking. Lord, what do you want? Do you want one to come to this altar and pray? Do you want one to make a decision right where they are? Father, do you want us to see clearly? Because we have not been. Father, I just come to you, Lord. Uh, this is a real problem, this area of inferiority. And it's not what you want for your people. It's not what you want for anybody. You want us to know that we're precious enough that you died at Calvary for us. And Father, other people need to hear that. I pray that you would take us, Lord, who are, who are yours already. And give us mission, Lord, to pass that message, the message of Jesus. And for those who, Lord, have just now heard the message, really heard it, now's the time to come. Now's the time to say, Jesus, I receive you into my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your new start. I understand that I am important to you, that you made me, you designed me. And I don't need to have an inaccurate view of who I am. I need to understand myself as you do. Father, work. We love you. We need you. And we ask you, Father, to glorify yourself. In your name we pray. Amen.